This time on Star Trek Gold Key Theater. The Haunted Asteroid, Part 1. Emperor Muro III had a robot army carve an entire asteroid into a memorial to his dead bride. But the jewel-encrusted orbiting mausoleum became a thing of supernatural dread. And the grave robbers of space who defied that haunted world either disappeared or returned. Too mad to tell its sinister secrets. You have disturbed the eternal rest of Syena, dead these six hundred years. And now Syena shall claim your lives for it. It looks exactly like those ancient pictures of Selena, but it can't be. There are no ghosts. Correction, Captain. There have been no such things as ghosts to date. Stardate 2492.5. We are approaching the small but celebrated asteroid Myla XA in the thin outer reaches of the asteroid belt of star system Delta. I have called an orientation briefing. Gentlemen, it's time you were told our precise mission and the purpose behind the presence of Dr. Crisp here. Allow me, Captain Kirk. I've brought some microcrystal recordings that will help. This is Myla XA the most astounding memorial ever, created by one man's love for one woman, plus 20,000 robot laborers in an emperor's fortune. The great love of Emperor Mural III for his bride-to-be, Princess Saina, was known throughout their world. And so, on their wedding night, the entire planet rejoiced that the good and wise Mural III had found unending love. But, unknown to the crowds, Enemies of the Emperor had poisoned his bride at the wedding feast, bringing her life to an end, but not his love. An asteroid only a few days' travel from their planet had been outfitted with a royal hideaway and artificial atmosphere. Now, 20,000 robots tore down the Imperial Cottage and began to carve that slab of space rock into the breathtaking mausoleum it is today. Hundreds of space thieves had tried to sack Myla XA for its golden gems, but only one was ever found again, and that poor fool was left totally mad by the experience. Can I sail my boat in the Mercury Fountain, Momsy? Will you save me from the nasty ghost? To put an end to these ghost stories after 600 years, the Federated Planets dispatched an investigator. Jay Nordyke. One great guy, an old Space Academy classmate of mine. He's been on Myla XA for four Earth days, and the schedule calls for contact any second. Starship Enterprise, Nordyke here. I'm homing in on your beam, Jimmy boy. See you in a minute or two. He's touching down. I've got to meet him. I mean, 
any guy who can call a Captain Jimmy boy and live has got to be something. Jimmy boy, you son of a Parvonian camel. Good to see you. You look great, Nor. Please, Captain. My orders are to debrief him immediately. Can you save the old school chatter? Can I save the... Yes, Dr. Crisp. We mustn't stand in the way of science. Or bureaucratic lady scientists. And as planned, I landed at coordinates N14 and began hiking toward the central structure, passing an orchard of crystal trees. The debriefing continues. The second day being equally uneventful. The Mercury Fountain is beyond belief. But nowhere were there any ghost or grisly sights. The tomb itself... And as the recording is completed... And so I made contact early on the third day with my rendezvous ship, the Enterprise. That's it, eh? Nothing to all those legends about lost men. So much for our ghost story. Okay, now we can resume our old school chatter, if the good doctor will permit. Of course. But may I see you alone for just a moment, please, Captain? So you caught it, eh, Dr. Crisp? How could I miss it, Captain? The man landed on Mila XA four days ago, but he only reported on three. Nordyke lost the memory of a complete day. It means either direct brain tampering or memory loss due to severe shock. I must do a psychoprobe. Hmm. You can't brain peep without the subject's permission. But Nordyke won't object, I'm sure. Of course. I want to know what happened to that missing day as much as you do. Fire away, Doctor. You are back on Mila XA. Something terribly frightening has just happened. What is it? Frightening, yes. I I'm afraid of something. Something huge. It floats in the air, and it's reaching out for me. Hands like whiffs of smoke, but cold and wet. A ghost! Now I'm in a room of the dead. Must escape! Must... Ah! No more! Don't make me remember anymore. I can't stand it. Don't worry, buddy. You won't have to. I'm going down to Mila XA to see for myself. I'm taking Mr. Spock, Bones, Scotty, and Lieutenant Sulu with me. We'll get you all the information you... Correction, Captain. You're taking me too. I'm the senior scientist in charge of the Mila XA project. You saw what Mila XA did to a tough man like Nordyke. Turned him into a weak... Sister? Well, despite that, this sister is going along. Do you want to appeal it to the council? And so it was mutually agreed upon that Dr. Crisp would join us, gentlemen. Thank you for your understanding, Captain. Some men might have objected. Well, here we go. It's quite extraordinary. Yes. Mural III had fabulous trees and flowers and forest creatures brought here from all his empire. How about ghosts? Did he add some specters to his Eden too? All right. We'll start to make our way to the mausoleum entrance. We'll break every half hour and sleep at 2200 ship's time. Carefully, they make their way across the strange terrain until... <laughs> What? I'm going to have a look at that 
trio of harpies. Keep me covered. Then, as swiftly as they appeared, the spectral figures vanish. Not a sign of them except those blackened rocks. Those flaming ghosts leave carbon traces, eh? Later. We'll camp here. Scotty, Bones, we'll pull the first watch. Mr. Spock and Lieutenant Sulu will relieve them in two hours. Captain, wake up. We've got a nasty mystery on our hands. Huh? Huh? What are you talking about, Spock? It's true, Captain. They're gone. Scotty and Bones, they've both vanished. So the game really begins, eh? All right, let's find them. All right, we'll form two parties and spread out from here. Radio contact must be maintained every five minutes. Dr. Crisp is with me. Why, I didn't think you cared, Captain. No sign of them here, Mr. Spock. What news from your end? Nothing here either. We're heading toward the main tomb entrance. Still, no clues of their disappearance. Anything to report there? Not a thing. A moment ago, I thought I saw... Wait! There is something! Zombies. Creatures like the Walking Dead. Coming straight for us. What? What was that hissing sound we heard? That's the smallest question I have. Hurry! That was Mr. Spock's voice crying out! Gone! Vanished like the others, and... What's that strange odor? There are a thousand questions, Doctor. I'm betting that all the answers are up there. Let's go. This is it, Dr. Crisp. I'm going in there. If I'm not back in just... You're not leaving me alone here, Captain. Not for one second. Go. Leave this haunted world by me. Or you shall share the same fate as those who vanished. If if I wasn't frightened before, that does it. I'm still not ready to run away from ghosts and gnomes. So be it, fool. The phaser shots go right through it. But they make our answer clear, Doctor. We're not leaving. Gone. I think we've got some other visitors, though, Doctor. The kind that would frighten that ghost. The intruders must die. The intruders must die. Those are no things of smoke. We'll see how they like the taste of my phaser. That hissing sound, the same as... Uh, ah! Ah! Go to fight. The spirit of Syena shall know her wrath. My head. That gas has left a ton of pain in there. I believe we have what used to be called a hangover, Captain. They took my weapon, of course. But I'm not even sure it would work against that door. I'm not sure we'll need any ingenious methods of escape. Apparently they left the door open by mistake. I... I never trust mistakes like that, Doctor, but we don't have much choice. Let's go. This thing goes on forever, but somewhere here, there are four of my crew, and I'm going to find them or else. Nothing here. Some kind of storage room. So is this, but I don't think you're going to enjoy what they've got stored in here.
There must be a hundred men or more. Three hundred nineteen to be precise, Doctor. That's how many men have vanished on Myla XA. End of part one. We now return to Star Trek, The Haunted Asteroid, Part 2. Hmm. No signs of violence. Perhaps that same gas used on us removed their struggle, and then... Doctor, I don't think any first notions are going to work around here. There's some mystery far deeper than ghosts and old bones inside Myla XA. Captain's Log, Stardate 2492.7. That strange world of apparitions and walking dead has swallowed up four of my crew. Four of the best friends I have ever known. They will be found alive, or whatever foul thing that lies behind it, all will be made to pay. I know what's troubling you, Captain. Your men. But I'm certain none of these bones is less than a century old. Let's hope you're right, Doctor. Hello! Mr. Spock! Answer me! Hello? 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 We're here, Captain. Fuck. I know that emotionless voice of his anywhere. Come on, Doctor. I've got a hunch. Time is running out on us. They're in here. But this is one door they didn't forget to lock. This mini-bomb we can conceal in the hollowed uniform button. That's how I was going to get us out. Now... It will free the others. Attention inside! Stand back! I'm going to blow down that door! You're... You're... You're alive! All of you! That would appear to be so, Captain. Later! Then, unconscious from the gas, we were carried here by those zombies, or whatever they are. I have a little theory as to what they are, gentlemen. This is Myla XA. The upper half is Salina's tomb. But what lies below? What's under our feet, gentlemen? Ha, that's easy. A basement with oil heater, hot water tank, pool table, and a dartboard. You may be closer to the truth than you realize, but we've got to find the way below. Somewhere along this wall, we'll find a false panel. I found it. A hollow area behind here. It's my turn to toss the wall opener, Captain. Stand back, lads. Ah, uh, and Lassie. An elevator shaft. But it's not much good to us. The car's maybe a hundred feet below. Then let us bring it up, by all means. You are fortunate to be closely acquainted with a former gymnastics gold medal winner. Although this descent is somewhat longer than a slide down a gym rope, and the cable's a lot greasier. Moments later, welcome to the Myla XA Vertical Railroad. Car now leaving for who knows. We have been traveling for three minutes at a speed I estimate to be 200 feet per second. We are now six miles below the surface. Then, as the speeding elevator slows to a landing... Here's your basement, Scotty. And that mammoth computer serves much as your oil heater. It services the entire asteroid. Yes. Makes artificial rain for the plants, warms the air, 
nourishes the earth and specializes in creating ghostly visions and robot zombies. So, you have discovered the secret of Myla XA. Then step back into the elevator and I will show you the rest. What? It was a woman's voice. You don't think it could be the old... I don't find guesswork to be useful, Doctor. We'll wait and see where the car takes us. Welcome to my home, good people. You were the first to enter this room in six centuries. Who are you? I do not blame you for not recognizing me. The centuries have brought some changes, as you can see. The Empress Syena! To understand, you must return to my wedding day. We are certain, your Imperial Majesty. Our tests show that Princess Syena's body cells are most indestructible. An amazing mutation. Then I will live for countless years after you are gone, beloved? It means more than that, my heart. Empress or not, you will be a freak, an object of curiosity and resentment for centuries. The announcement of my death was all part of his scheme. I remained hidden away until my tomb was completed. This tomb will be our love temple. Soon I will arrange to join you here. Until death. Three years later, my Emperor's disappearance on a space expedition was announced. And he, of course, came here to join you permanently. But he would be long gone now. Miro III died at 84. But of course that is more than 500 years ago. There is my beloved. Well, I'll be. This Taj Mahal of space is a memorial to him, not her. When I finally die, the asteroid will automatically destroy itself. And that should be fairly soon. I understand. You don't want this magnificent memorial to become just another grimy tourist stop in space. Precisely. Which is why I cannot let you leave, Myla XA, to tell the world all. Hold it. You mean we're all permanent prisoners? Until your own deaths. Or mine. But I prefer to say... Lifetime guests. Myla XA is a near paradise. You can be happy here. Like those bones in that room above? Did they die happily? None were executed. All lived out their lives. Gathering their bones there was another device to strike fear into the hearts of intruders. Comfort and freedom aren't necessarily the same, Imperial Majesty. We choose freedom. Then, at the touch of a button in a throne panel... The zombies again! And we haven't got a weapon among us! Non-Jalescape, Mila XA! You gymnasts quit easy, but not us weightlifters! Urgh. Oh! I never tackled a concrete block before! Lifting a near half a ton of robot is... All a matter of technique! Spinning him is no piece of cake either! Urgh. I believe the operative word now is run. Swiftly, the super elevator whisks them to the surface. She'll never let us leave here alive. Keep running, Dr. Chris, and that's an order. No, I won't go. It's certain death. You prefer the living death of imprisonment? Sorry about this, Doctor, but I'd do the same if you panicked in the water. You'll lose either way, Captain. If we escape alive, she'll kill you. The mercury fountain. It doesn't look so beautiful when you know it's part of your prison yard. The fountain, it's shooting out some kind of 
flaming gas, now! Not gas, Doctor. A flaming liquid, intended to splash us all to cinders. I think that did it. You should be okay, except for some minor burns from the flames. And <coughs> perhaps a few broken ribs from your enthusiasm. Later, aboard the starship. There it is. The tomb that was to be our home. Myla, XA! It blew up! That... that means the Empress is dead. I think perhaps you have an apology for the Captain now, Dr. Crisp? I do indeed. I, I'm afraid I lost my head back there. Thanks for finding it for me, even with your fist. Save the apologies till tonight. My favorite. Officer's Lounge. Ho ho! Methinks the captain is feeling a wee bit human, lads. Alright. See what you think of this. Full ship's inspection 0800 tomorrow, and I want this place to gleam like the mercury fountain on Myla XN. You and your big Scottish mouth. The end! Okay, so that was a great dramatic reading, everybody. Kudos. So, uh, again, the cast. So we've got uh, Charles that uh, did a great job as narrator. Uh, we've got Brian has joined us uh, as Kirk. Greetings. Brian. And uh, Donovan, of course, is doing multiple uh, roles. Uh, well, got... Actually, can my roles are going to be replaced by people who are sending me their stuff. You did so. something, didn't you? I don't know if I'm even going to be in it now that uh, Brian, <laughs> Brian showed me up. <laughs> I will edit it. How about that? Okay, Don work. Donovan, thank you very much for falling on the sword and not saying a lot <laughs> in this episode. But of course, you are the man. You are our director. You are our director. So thank you very much. Uh, Joe did a great job. We, uh, Jay Nordyke. Thank you, thank you. Th thank you very much. And uh, Ryan, Hello. you did a great job, Egyptian priest. And, uh, of course, Aaron has joined us. Fantastic. Unfortunately, Aaron can't join us for the uh, post-acting uh, uh, chit-chat, as we discuss. She was Dr. Crisp. Yes, she was. And a darn good Crisp, too. So and, and we did have several people that weren't able to make the live recording um, and aren't able to make this recording as well. But uh, you just heard the, the, the final version where, where they were added as well. So we have Bill, Trey, Jonathan, Zoe, we all added in uh, post-op. Yeah, I think this is the biggest cast we've had so far. Oh, absolutely. Easily. So, so now we get to talk about Star Trek Gold Key number 19. So, uh, everybody, did did you like it? Is this a good is this a good Star Trek story? Is it a good Gold Key story? It was a Gold Key story. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a Gold Key story. It sort of remind it sort of reminds me of that one episode of The Next Generation where Brent Spiner had to wear all these masks and be all these different people, and there was a kind of similar story about some sort of princess. Right. So it kind of had that cheesiness of that episode except 
far more cheesy. <laughs> I think that episode is called Masks. Yes. Yes, yes. Oh, very good. The uh, the Gold Key comics always felt to me, and and I don't know if this is true, uh, this is my own speculation, but it always seemed like they just had like a drawer full of you know science fiction comics partially drawn, and they were like, hey, you know what, let's put out another Star Trek issue, and they would just kind of add in the Star Trek characters and kind of add the names, because as we know, they uh, frequently got them misspelled or incorrect, so... It, it was sort of like let's let's see if we can make this story uh, a Star Trek story, or at least sell it by putting Star Trek on it. Because I don't, I don't know that any of these are actually they don't really feel like Star Trek stories, you know? No, they totally they totally don't. They feel like uh, they feel like just pulp comic stories that just happen to have the characters of Star Trek in right, it. Right. But even then, it's like it's it's they're not quite the same characters. They're just sort of like this mirrored version almost of the characters yes right <laughs> right and, and, and isn't scotty normally the most macho guy <laughs> i didn't know <laughs> charles bronson he can throw robots that's awesome it's 500 pound robots I <laughs> yeah who, who knew he was so buff under that red shirt? <laughs> well, not only that, but in, in Gold Key, they always want to give Scotty the, the love interest. So almost every issue that has a love interest, if it's not Kirk, it's it's Scotty. And in the show, Scotty never got the lady that I can think of. He did a couple times, but I think yeah. it didn't end very well. No, no. And he always came across as being a little like stalkerish. <laughs> yes yes well there was the the red the red jack uh episode right 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 kind sure of, <laughs> yeah. that was kind of reported the <laughs> other one was the lights of zatar was where he had a love interest that's true yes man did she live to the end that was that's a pretty horrid episode actually <laughs> but that's one where she you know, they open their mouth really wide and the lights come out and the sounds come out it just looks ridiculous oh uh, season three I think it yeah. is season three. Yeah. <laughs> that explains it. Yeah. Exactly. It should be. Well, one of the things, like, especially this issue that always kind of surprised me, I guess, about Gold Key. I mean, this this issue came out in 1973, four years after the show was finished. And, yeah, I understand there wasn't, like, an internet or Netflix or anything back then. But there were plenty of magazines that had, you know, pictures of the cast and the sets and all that. And yet most of the time they don't even resemble the actors and none of the ship looks like what we actually saw on the show. Right. I, I thought the art was uneven. It's weird. It's like they, they got Spock right usually, but Kirk didn't look anything like Kirk whatsoever. There was a couple panels where it looked like they may have, you know, did a photo copy or something and it looked like, Oh, that looks like Shatner. But other than that, no. Yeah. Right. And uh, there was one in particular where they did a decent job. Of Nimoy, except his head was turned, and they made his uh, Vulcan ear huge. <laughs> he looked like a Tolkien character. <laughs> yeah, Gold Key is always giving Spock the Yoda ears. I think. Yeah, 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 yeah they have. Yeah. Well, I, rem- correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the Gold Key, uh, most of the artwork for Gold Key was done in Italy, right? So there was yeah. an Italian artist that that did all right. of it. Who never saw an episode and probably had the same four publicity photos to work from. Right. <laughs> and they must have been black and white. Because <laughs> the colorist mm, gets a lot of colors wrong. 
So so what I've always liked about Cold Key is that, you know, the artwork is usually really detailed, um, you know, and as far as like the spaceship and the mechanics in the spaceships and the kit that they bring down to the the planets and things like that. I mean, sleeping bags and, you know, practical stuff. But you never see that in that stuff in the show. Right. Why wouldn't they just beam back up and go into their bed? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I'll go back down in the morning. Yeah. Now, exactly. But I, I will say the idea of actually bringing some water along, that's not a bad idea. That's smart. Okay. No. But anyways, like I was I was just saying that I've always enjoyed the uh, the level of detail that's in the story. Right. Even though it just does not match what we see on, on the screen for Star Trek. Agreed. Mm. I like how, too, just looking through this, how uh, the... Uh, the little uh, the the Starfleet symbols on the uniforms are are there a lot when they're on the ship, but when they beam down, apparently those didn't get beamed down either, or they just ran, <laughs> they just randomly appear sometimes. So. They got stuck in the dry cleaner on the way down to the planet. Exactly, exactly. They showed up late. It's okay. Yeah, uh, it's the same kind of dry cleaning problems as some of them have green uh, tunics. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, don't wash uh, the blue uniforms with uh, gold because then. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, Scotty and Sulu both in the Olympics at some point. Uh, Where did that come from? (laughs) Well, well, Scotty's a CrossFitter and uh, (laughs) Sulu's a gymnast. That kind of fits. I don't know. Yeah, it does, but. Not that he like, can pick up a 500-pound robot. That's just silly. You mean a zombie? Oh, the zombie. Sorry. The zombie robot. Whatever. The zombie robot. Yeah. Let's talk about that zombie thing. It's like, zombie? What? Yeah. Why? Uh, I didn't get it. Well, it's supposed to be a haunted planet, so, okay. Sure, and of course there'll be zombies, so. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> here, here was my thought, and, and I have zero way of proving this, but I kind of wonder if originally it was supposed to be some sort of zombie you know especially since he says walking dead and then maybe after maybe even after it was originally drawn you know due to the you know the 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 flack that like ec comics was getting you know a decade or so earlier with uh tales from the crypt and things like that that you know because this was drawn out out of the country and when it came in they were like oh we can't have real zombies so then they maybe you know, change those few panels to show more of the Robbie the Robot looking guy. Oh, mm. yeah. Yeah, but my question is, you know they had a ton of robots to build the place. So, and why wouldn't you still have robots kind of ma- doing maintenance work and security work? <laughs> why zombies? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> zombies are cooler. <laughs> yeah. Real, to really give it that Egyptian feel that they were really going for. Yeah, oh, I guess so. <laughs> and this did come out, what, 73? And Night of Living Dead, what, came out in 68? Right? Oh, oh, Which was also a really big movie at the time. So, I mean, it, I don't know. I, I keep thinking maybe they big. really let's, wanted let's to do a zombie thing and, and couldn't do it. Ah, huh. But again, I have no idea. So maybe they maybe had the they, zombies constructing the uh, asteroid. That could be. That could be. Or maybe they just lettered it and had no idea that it ended up being robots. I, I Sometimes uh, some of the speculation on Gold Key, it's like, I think you guys are giving them a little more credit for thinking <laughs> than what happened. I mean, especially, you know, if the artwork was done 
if the artwork was done, you know, overseas, perhaps uh, the lettering was too. And so they were like, uh, hey, you left in zombies here, but we ended up going with robots. And they're like, nobody will know. Just go with it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> don't understand it. Just do whatever. <laughs> That's right. That's right. If we can get away with rocket engines, including coming out of the tail end of the engineering section, sure. anything. Yes. You always bring that up, but I love that look. <laughs> <laughs> I also particularly like when Spock is uh, estimating how long they've been traveling. He's uh, glancing at his watch, which I'm assuming was like his, uh, you know, graduation present present from the academy or something. But uh, <laughs> it looks pretty swank. Spock's got a watch. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't catch that. Yes, it's an uh, Apple Watch. Oh, actually, you know what it is? It's probably, you know, this is this came out between the original series and the motion picture. Oh, and they're yeah. phasing in those uh, communicators on the wrist. There uh, you go. Donovan, uh, you tried uh, so hard. God. <laughs> That's plausible, though. That would totally work. It's plausible, but geez. <laughs> it, it, it's plausible, but no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Donovan, what, what's the reason why all their equipment is red? Phasers, tri- tricorders. Uh, that's not really red. It's just the lighting which makes it look red. There's a little red tint. So basically all the problems we have with Gold Key, we can just blame on bad cinematography and lighting. There you go. Think. Right. Mm-hmm. You, you don't know what, you know, a red sun might make things look a little differently than our yellow. Could be. Every planet should look different. <laughs> and it's only affecting the landing gear equipment. All right. <laughs> Is it worth bringing up, or or should we leave alone the uh, the slap? <laughs> I, I was just uh, going to go there. Thank you. Uh, before we do, let's point out we have five men who are having yes. this conversation. Yes. <laughs> I, I was actually really uncomfortable. With, I mean, I know that this was the 70s, but, you know, and, and Kirk like, tries to justify it with, like, I'm trying to do you a favor here. You do the yeah. same for me. You know, but I, man. he didn't even say that. He just said, I would also do this if you were drowning. It, it doesn't, <laughs> it still doesn't sound good. What's going to help? It was awful. I mean, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty bad. <laughs> that, that's really extreme. Well, McCoy did slap a pregnant lady once. Uh, yes. Well, the, <laughs> I, I, All right. When was that? I, I don't remember. I that. Oh, Star Trek four. It was, it was Friday's child. Wasn't yeah. Julie yeah. slapped Julie Newmore. Oh. Yeah, yes. it was, and that one's written by DC Fontana too. So. Exactly. Although I right. think maybe the best part is not only does he uh, slap Crisp, but about ten, fifteen minutes later, he's like asking her out. Oh, and and she's like thanking him for it. She's like, yes. "Oh, yes. thank you for bringing me back to my senses." Even uh, if yeah. it was with your fist, that yeah. is what she says. <laughs> yes. It's like wow. Okay. Yeah. I was really, really not comfortable with any of that. <laughs> doesn't he bristle about her being a lady scientist or something it's like not she's not a real scientist she's a lady scientist well yeah and there's something about you like like he says well we're not gonna go down there with any and then she fills in the line for him sisters yeah right, you know right. it's like no i wasn't gonna say sisters <laughs> what what are you talking about that, just, that didn't work yeah kirk kirk isn't really uh in a good light in this one i would say no, no, not at all. <laughs> yeah, and, well, talk, you... and talk about decision-making issues. 
you know, we, we know there's a problem. People are being messed with. Let's take down, and I know this is, this is not unusual for Star Trek, but let's take the top most senior five people on the ship down. Right. We we take more if we had a bigger transporter pad, but you know, this is all we can do right now. And you know well, there's problems, but you didn't bring any red shirts to take the Klagat in the sh- in the chest. Uh, yeah, yes, well, you know, that Doctor like, Crisp is a red is a red shirt. Yeah, but she like Doctor Crisp like muscles her way onto the landing party. She like basically intimidates Kirk, and then he has that weird line where he's like, "Uh, yeah, we're this is this is the new plan." And then as soon as she beams down, she's like, plays the helpless female, or is written as the helpless female, I should say. Um, yes. You know, where, where she's just like, oh, no, please. And yeah, it, she, she, she devolves into that, uh, that the 60s, 70s, you know, like Superman needs to rescue Lois, helpless Lois Lane, right? Right. Exactly. Polly purebred. Yeah, exactly. Like that, right? Mm-hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I don't think we ever find out about Nordyke's missing day. No. No. I think you're right about that. <laughs> so he's like, he's been messed with mentally, and we just like, well, th- thanks for the flashback, pal. We'll see you later. And that, he's never heard from again. <laughs> and worse, Kirk is like, okay, you know, you really don't do those brain fishing expeditions, but he won't mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's even worse? It's like that's his buddy from the academy, and he's just like, "Well, I guess he's gone, so no need to tie that up." <laughs> what do you know? Yeah, but yeah, you're right. He totally, he totally, uh, you know, volunteers him for it. It's like, you know, I won't do this, but I'm sure he won't have a problem with it. Yeah. Good luck, you know. <laughs> let, let me lay out all the ethical reasons why this is a bad idea, and then we'll do it. Yeah, because because I know my pal that I haven't seen in forever. I'm sure he'll be fine with it. It'll be great. <laughs> and, and why did the Federation send one guy who's apparently a civilian? Yes, to this place that might be dangerous for four days by himself too. By himself on his own little ship. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's no yeah, that was that was weird. Not going to risk any officers. Come on, exactly. <laughs> let's hey, let's put Nordyke down there and see what happens. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, in in Star Trek, do you go through normal college or space college or whatever it is, and then you go to Starfleet Academy? Or <laughs> I'm just trying to figure that. out where Kirk and Nordyke could have been buddies and him not be part of the Federation or Starfleet. Yeah. Maybe uh, maybe he just got booted out. Maybe he was like a. Like uh, Merrick from uh, uh, Bread and Circus, he just couldn't cut it as a starship captain, so they just booted him out of the service. Yep. <laughs> so when he was sitting there eating eating the apple with the shoes off, was that supposed to be <laughs> was that supposed to be some sort of hint that something's wrong with him, or was it just supposed to show that he's just this carefree kind of guy? Because I could take it both ways, and I was unsure which way they were going with it. Nordyke just doesn't care. He's you know. He, he's been in his ship traveling for a while, and he's on a bigger, more comfortable ship. He's going to take his shoes off, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and if you got a problem with that. Yeah. Exactly. And, and is that a microphone in his hand? I thought and it was a, some sort of fruit, but maybe it is a microphone. Uh, it's got a cord going to whatever. To so yeah. Oh, yeah, it sure does. Uh, okay. Uh Ah, uh, the good old 1960s uh, computer technology on the Enterprise. It's awesome. Yeah. 
Well, at least they used micro-crystal recordings rather than videotape. Well, that's true. That's true. Give them credit for that. We didn't have videotape back then. (laughs) That's right. So it seemed like it was a big deal. Anyway. (laughs) I like the headlamp they have in the word icon under, too. That was really cool. (laughs) The hypnotism? You know, you... You think uh, you laugh at that though. I was at a uh, antique store um, last weekend, in fact, and there was a thing that looked exactly like that, and they had it had it labeled as a a mind boosting ray. Oh, awesome. really? Yeah, I almost bought it, but it was way too expensive. But it was like, you know, that was cool, and it looked like it was a a, a hair dryer, old school hair dryer, fitted with a bunch of lights and stuff like that. And it looked almost just like that. It had a little arm and everything. It was great. How so, old was it? Was it was it like turn of the century or somewhere? No, it, it looked like it was probably from like 1910 or 1920s. Okay. So see that maybe it was a uh, it was what they used on Nordyke and it fell through a uh, wormhole into the. Pa- oh, I'm going too far with this, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like the way you're thinking, though. See, we can explain all this stuff. It's plausible. Oh my God, you and. Don- <laughs> And if you're going to buy a mind control device, really, you don't want to go cheap. No, you you do not. I mean, you want to pay good money for it. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, when I I was reading the book, I was not thinking of the hypnotism. But when Erin read the lines and the way she read them with, you're feeling sleepy kind of thing, I (laughs) I thought that was just fantastic. Just throw her a bone. So uh, what about those mini bombs and the hollow of the uniform buttons? Oh, what was that? I don't know. I I didn't even know they had buttons. That was going to be my first question. (laughs) I thought it was just Velcro and magnetomic adhesion. Yeah. Wow. No buttons, no zippers. And how handy would those have been in, oh, I don't know, 30 or 40 episodes of the Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. But wasn't it odd that it just so happened to leave the first door open? And they really never yeah. explain it. Yeah, right. Well, I thought she said. Uh, I thought she said they did that to scare them away, so that that visitors would see the the, the dead people and then hightail it out of there. Well, no, but, but you're yeah, about the skull room. Yeah, I mean, isn't that what Saina says? This is before the skull room, right? Yeah. But I'm saying, did she? want them to see it and then hightail it out of there and that was that was why that door was, that, was unlocked I don't know it doesn't make sense okay. because yeah then why is Spock's and the yeah. other door not, not unlocked so I don't know yeah alright I was just trying to make it fit <laughs> I had a darn fine attempt at it a good try yes I do want to bring up how how kind of silly Spock is to acknowledge that this uh, flaming liquid is coming out of the fountain, and yet he still seems to get closer, closer enough to actually <laughs> get ignite burnt. himself. <laughs> and is this before the stop, drop, and roll? Because he's just running around until uh, McCoy. <laughs> <laughs> it's not very logical there. No, no. They, they don't have stop, drop, and roll on Vulcan. <laughs> well, I had your myth. didn't Spock like scream like a little girl a couple times or something? Yeah, he screams when he sees the zombies, and then he screams when he's burning on fire. Exactly. Kirk needs to slap him. Exactly. (laughs) And then ask him out to dinner. (laughs) (laughs) That works. 
Well, he kind of starts off the story on the first page with, there have been no such thing as ghosts to date. Spock wouldn't say that. He would just stop at the before to date part. You know, there are no such thing as ghosts. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, they didn't get that one right. Which is funny because Vulcans know there is such things as ghosts because they move their katras into stones and stuff all the time. So <laughs> isn't that kind of a ghost? Oh. A, uh, a loose katra would be a, considered a ghost in most people, I would think. Sure. Good point. So McCoy was possessed, you know? So Right. In Star Trek Three, he was possessed. So, I mean, you were onto something there. Right. See? But, yeah. you know, this was written before there was such a thing as Katra in, in the lore, so. True. So, not, not plotting well or forward thinking? That's the question. Hmm. You go with bad plotting. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Hmm. <laughs> All right, well, we usually kind of talk about the cover because I think these covers are always fantastic, uh, the gold key covers. Um, you know, if yeah, I was they a kid are. and I saw this cover on in the convenience store, nickel and dime store, wherever these were back then, I, I would totally be interested in this. So, yeah. Especially uh, with the two inset photos. Well, it has the two inset photos, headshots of McCoy and uh, – not McCoy, uh, Nimoy and Shatner. Right. But then the artwork is just this – It's very cool. Little bubbled city – with these three multicolored ghostly faces and a red-shirted Spock yes. and a blue-shirted <laughs> Kirk? Kirk. I guess. Blasting away at him. Maybe. Yeah. And Chris is more practical than them with their lasers. She's going to throw a skull at the ghost. <laughs> well, this is back to your damsel in the stress comment where she's just, <laughs> she's just either doing Shakespeare or she's really scared. Exactly. You're going to throw a skull? I'm going to slap you. You're panicking. <laughs> uh, yeah, hiding behind the men who are using uh, German Mausers uh, to fire at the. Uh... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> those are laser German Mausers. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and, and those ghosts much scarier than they are in the actual book. Absolutely. Yeah, they are. Especially that one that the mouth is really opening like, and all distorted, inhumanly large. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would scare me away. I'd be yeah. like, oh, we gotta go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I wouldn't be as scared of She-Hulk, but uh, yeah. <laughs> and Mystique is the other one. And Mystique. Yes. <laughs> I always liked the gold key covers. I do remember as a kid uh, doing exactly what you pointed out earlier that I saw. I'm like, oh, hey, Star Trek. Hey, that's a cool cover. I'll buy that. Um, although a lot of the stories, including this one, tended to be like ghost stories and and things like that. So it's like, uh, you know, not really Star Trek, but who cared? It looked cool. Yeah. Right. Right. I had the yeah. same reaction. Yeah. A lot of their artwork is engaging and it's very, you know, bright and in your face and, and, uh, and captivating. Can't say the same about the stories. <laughs> no. no. I, I love these stories though, just for how ridiculous they end up being sometimes, you know? When, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. That's definitely the appeal of them. Uh, rereading them again because I've bought the uh, the gold key collections they've been releasing lately and just going oh yeah this takes me back <laughs> right. yeah when we first started this Ken Ken was talking about how he only read one gold key comic and when we started doing the the podcast it ended up being it was the very first issue it was the the planet of no return or something like that I can't remember the the plant the, the plant, plant. The plant Planted. was... Right, where yeah. you turn into a plant if you're nice. too long. Yes. Well, the, the plants will attack you. They have uh, 
They seem to have sentience or something. Right, right. The, the spores that would go out to the universe and infect people. So Spock has to burn the whole planet. That's right. Oh, of course. Burns the surface of the planet. With the phases <laughs> on the planet. That's right. That's the answer. I love that. Yeah, that's great, isn't it? <laughs> yep. But I think that story sets up the tone of Gold Key quite well. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. The, the hell with the prime directive. <laughs> <laughs> or even physics, where a human being can pick up a giant robot uh, and throw it into other robots. Sure. Uh, well, is... Gold, Key, Gold Key seems to say to hell with what is actually in Star Trek. A lot of times, so <laughs> Star Trek was a suggestion. Yeah. <laughs> this is loosely based, very loosely based. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. They're some of my favorite ones, but it yeah. is hard to take them seriously like we do the other ones so which is why we do the the gold key theater just because it, it warms well, itself better than the others there were 60 or 61 issues something like that of gold key is that right uh 61 but i think like four or maybe oh, five repeats. of them were repeat uh reprints yeah. so, Under new numbers. so how many how many of those 57 have um has star trek comic book review reviewed this makes number what uh, well, we went in order, right? This is number 19? This is 19, so... Oh, you've, we've done them in order? Well, we've done them in order. So we've done 19, plus we did two random ones, which were in the 30s, which was our pilot, just to see how the show would work. And then, so so that would be 21 unique stories, plus however many got repeated in the uh, the 50s and 50, 50 range. So. We're knocking them down. Yeah, so yeah. We're not quite halfway there. Which is why I say we need to do the... Uh, the, if we're going to keep doing the uh, Gold Key Theater, then we need to do it more often because we're getting oh, kind absolutely. of to the end of all the other runs as well. Okay, we have to do it more often, but still, there's a lot of overhead with these episodes. Right. <laughs> okay, well, that was uh, a, a great issue, and uh, what a great job everybody did who uh, took part in it this week. So uh, next week we're going to be doing Tokyo Pop, Bokenshin, issues two through four as part of uh, episode 235. All right, and thanks again, Kelso, Joseph, Ryan, uh, and Brian, and, and Aaron, and everybody for joining the, the live recording, and also thanks to everybody who sent us those uh, MP3s, and and hopefully we got you in, and it sounds sounds great. <laughs> thanks, thanks for having us. Our All pleasure. right. Yes. Thanks for yeah, doing thanks the show. Thanks for having us along. Yeah. All right, thank you. Thanks for joining us, everybody out there on The Review. Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated. All music stories and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at startcomicbookreview at gmail.com. Visit us at our website, www.stcomicbookreview.com. Subscribe to us via iTunes. Or friend us on Facebook at first name, ST Comic, second name, Book Review. See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review. Let's get the hell out of here.